Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonaco and I talk news, why the president just got accused of sexual misconduct again, and the nation has responded with a shrug, and what to do about the latest round of horrors from the U.S.-Mexico border. Then, Julissa Arce joins Megan Gailey and Grace Parra in studio to talk about trust in people, in institutions, and in Facetune. Last but not least, the hills will die on. Before we get started today, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to submit a hill to die on, you can record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. That is also where we get our correspondence. But I'm not the only one who checks that email address. Caroline also checks it. So send love letters or hate mail to our personal accounts, please. Second, I'm feeling very, very haughty about this because I've been accused of lying about merch by various online people. It's here. Merch is here for Hysteria. There are a couple of t-shirt options, including a muscle tank, which I personally requested. There are pins, tote bags, and there's more to come, so you can check it out. It is at store.crooked.com. I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout-out to a special group of listeners This week, I want to give a shout out to our listeners who are immigrants. We see you and we appreciate you. Now let's get to the show. Hello. Hello, Alyssa. Happy debate day. Happy debate day to you, my lady. Are you prepared? Are your loins girded? You know, it's funny. It's not until nine o'clock here. And uh, my hubs and I were talking about it this morning. And I was like, what should we have for dinner? And he's like, what does it matter? The debate will be on two hours after dinner. So <laughs> Wait, you eat dinner at 7 p.m.? That's, Why are you saying it that way? It feel, That feels like an old time to eat dinner. I feel like... So you're, I'm just going to be honest with anyone who listens to us. Okay, I normally eat dinner between 6 and 7 because I am diehard on Weight Watchers. And it is the best way for me to stick to my point. Oh, interesting. Okay, well then mm-hmm. I'm, I guess I'm the asshole in this exchange. Call me when, call me when you're 43. <laughs> I will. I probably will be calling you when I'm 43, Alyssa. <laughs> Considering how much I've been calling you this week. Um, you know what? That's what we're all here for, each other. Yes, it's true. It's true. Uh, but let's get into the news before we get into... Blech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just read a Jason Chaffetz quote this morning because he was like mouthing off about the U.S. women's soccer team. And I, I recalled like an Atlantic profile when he said he made that noise in response to the idea of a Hillary Clinton presidency. Um, <laughs> so that is the word of the day. Blah. Um, first, let's get into the Eugene Carroll story, which has yeah. been buried basically since it broke last week. Eugene Carroll is an L advice columnist and she has been active in New York media for a very long time. And she said that in the mid-1990s, President Trump raped her in a Bergdorf Goodman dressing room. She described it very, um, she described it with a lot of detail to CNN. And it's it's really hard to listen to because it sounds like it was a violent attack. She's mm-hmm. the 22nd person to accuse the president of sexual assault or misconduct and the second to publicly accuse him of rape. And it didn't make the front page of the Saturday New York Times, the president getting credibly accused of rape by a prominent New York City columnist. Um, It didn't make the front page of the Wall Street Journal, didn't make the front page of the LA Times or the Chicago Tribune. The Post put it on A1, but didn't lead with it. So Alyssa, what do you think is going on here? Well, also let us not forget it was not on any of the Sunday shows except AM with Joy Reid. Oh, great. Right. I've given this a lot of thought because we've talked about it, you know, for the past couple of days. And one, you know, all of these 
you know, even the newspapers and not making the front page, all those stories posted online. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're just, I feel like that aside from the women who are really keeping track, it's just like not getting the clicks. So it doesn't get promoted. So it doesn't show up at the top of the feed. And so people aren't talking about it. And I feel like, and this is sort of, I mean, not the most empathetic thing to say, but I feel like people look at E. Jean and say, she looks okay. She must be okay. Mm -hmm. So instead of focusing on this, we're going to focus on the devastation that's happening at the border. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think that, I think that, that in the world of Trump, there's just so fucking much. And I also think it's not surprising. You know, people report on surprising news Mm -hmm. and this isn't surprising because it's number 22. That doesn't make it less repulsive or wrong or criminal, but I think that it's like people just aren't fucking surprised by it. Yeah. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that that's a, a kind of a generous read on the media though, because you're right. We do have, we do have limited bandwidth to process, you know, everything all at once. It's impossible for us to put every important news story in the A1 of our hearts. But at the same time, the president was accused of rape by a woman who has no reason to lie. And by coming forward with this story is only subjecting herself to public scrutiny and ruin. And I think that the, what's happening at the border, I don't think it's an either or thing. I think it's, it's I think that maybe people justify it by saying that there's a lot of other stuff going on that right. that is maybe objectively in the in the whole scheme of things more important than this. But this is pretty fucking important. No, you know what it is? This is really important there. I feel like people are being like, we know this is important, but people who don't want to talk about this for whom it doesn't do any good, let's say mm-hmm. they're like, right. But the border is catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's like yeah. a wrong. It shouldn't be on a grade, but I feel like people are putting news on a, on a continuum. Right. And that's sort of what you have to do in order to kind of survive in this like sea of mud that we're in right now. I I also was thinking as I was reading about this and as I was kind of puzzled by the lack of coverage and then the coverage being about the lack of coverage, which is a strange folding of reality that it happens in media. One of the things that I was thinking was that, you know, this story was told in conjunction with the release of a book. And and I wonder if people are less sympathetic to a woman telling her story if she stands to profit from it in any way, which is a fucked up thing. But I I wonder if that is is something that's maybe happening in conversations and editorial rooms and at pitch meetings. I think that's I think that's possible. You know, I mean, like that she because something that I'd heard from people and you never have a good answer for because like, I mean, well, one stipulate women don't really fucking lie about rape, you know, No. but they're like, well, she had a book. Why? If this was such an existential threat to the United States, why didn't she as such a credible person come at not come out with this when it could have stopped him from being president? Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, that's a so great I think question. That that's, it's not even like it's not even necessarily the book aspect, though I do think that that's a part of it. But a lot of people were like, well, if he actually fucking raped her, then why didn't she say something, you know, three years ago at right. this point? Right. And we never know because, well, one, why would people set themselves up? Like, you know, my answer to the question was there was so much shit stacked against him, including the pussy grab tape 
that if you were someone who'd been attacked, you would assume that that would be enough to do them in. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to put yourself forward to be torn apart and ripped apart as they did with Christine Blasey Ford, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I think that that, that was sort of my counterpoint is that like they had him on tape and he would right. grab pussy. Like, nobody would, nobody thought he would win. Was gonna win. Nobody thought he would win. And nobody in their right mind would put themselves in the position of being subject to that scrutiny if they didn't think it was necessary for the good of the country, you know? And right. I also think that your your point about the naysayers saying, well, like, why didn't she talk about this when it, you know, right before the election? Why didn't she talk about this at the right time? That is always... A, an objection that comes up when there's a public accusation of sexual right. misconduct that makes people uncomfortable. Uh, did she do it? Did she report it at the right time? What was her relationship with the person? Does, what is was she, she wearing? Is she, was she pretty enough? Because Donald Trump, when asked about this accusation, oh. said that he started off his answer by saying, first of all, she's not my type. But like, what? who is your raping type, Mr. President? What a, what a fucking weird thing to say. And second of all, it didn't happen. That's what he said. Um, and then, and then there was a photo. He also said that he had never met her. And there's a photo of the. And two there's of them a photo too. to prove otherwise. I mean, liar lies more tonight at ten. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but there's, but there's. Oh my a, god! Did you hear? He's like on his way to the G20, and he plans on live tweeting the debate. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, what are you? Who are you? I'm so tired of having a president who treats America like a show that he's running, and that every month is sweeps month. I I am so tired of it, uh, but we have to move on because I guess so. there's another there's another story, and this one is 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 really rough. Um, yesterday on social media, there was a photo posted that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did you see the photo, Alyssa? Yeah, I did. It was a really uh, it was a bleak photo. It was a photo of a father and daughter who had drowned trying to cross the Rio Grande. And they, you know, they were, they were dead and it was really, really upsetting, but a lot of people were sharing it. And a lot of people were saying that it sort of drives home the seriousness of the migrant Mm -hmm. crisis, but that's only one aspect of what's going on right now. Um, Alyssa, what, where are you with following the migrant story and what is, what are your thoughts on what's happening? So, I mean, you know, I've, I've kept up as much as I can because it is, it is like, I think that anyone who follows the news has a pretty good idea of -hmm. what's happening. Right. But the stories of late, I mean, kids without food taught like, 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 you know, kindergartners who are taking care of small children that were separated, the thousands of children that were documented as unaccompanied who were in fact, not fucking unaccompanied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, um, they're separating them from their families still, despite the fact that they said that the family separation policy ended a year ago, which I was thinking about this yesterday, Alyssa, I was thinking um, about how they were like, Okay, so ostensibly the family separation policy existed because it was supposed to be, and I'm just kind of trying to paraphrase the fucked up worm logic of Stephen Miller. But ostensibly, a policy like that would be public, and as it was known publicly, would serve as a public deterrent to people coming to the States. Like it would be something, it's Mm -hmm. like we'd be, hey, look what we're doing. We're doing this awful thing. If you come here, it might happen to you. You better not do it. So like it's publicness was part of the plan, but they were doing it in secret. So it makes me feel like they're separating families like for the love of the game, which is so much more fucked up than I thought that the policy could possibly be. Also, to overlook the fact that they said they were going to separate families, that these people like are fleeing such trauma 
they're coming anyway. Mm-hmm. And like, the, that's not part of the calculus in figuring out what to do here. Right. They're <laughs> fleeing trauma that in a lot of cases, U.S. foreign policy was instrumental in starting. Correct. So, I mean, for example, I have family members from, Hond- from Honduras. My um, sister is married to a man who's Honduran and his family has to deal with a lot of the issues that, you know, we talk about. Honduras is not safe right now and his mother's mm-hmm. in the States. And it's, it's a, it's a daily, it's something that weighs on them daily. And it's something that they're genuinely terrified to return to. And I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand the people making the policies around this, but I especially don't well, understand the people on the ground enforcing them. Like who- also, can we talk about that cunt burger <laughs> who stood before the judges and explained that people in detention, children specifically that a basic need is not soap, toothbrush, and toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, Alyssa, I take issue with your use of the word cunt burger. She's a cunt lettuce wrap at best. She's not. She's, she does not have the 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 beauty she's like of a cunt burger. Chowder. She's, I know. You're she's right. like she's not a cunt burger. pate, but like bad cunt pate. She's cunt spam. <laughs> God, cunt Alpo. She's terrible. She's like, the worst. The worst. There. The worst person. And I and I and I know that the word is gendered. I don't think it's gendered. I think everybody no, can be a cunt if they believe in themselves. Yeah, but. I, yes, I thought it was it was really really stunning to watch that woman's testimony. How did you feel watching it? Oh my! I I was I was I couldn't believe it at first. I actually rewound it, you know, because I'm so skilled at my DVR. And I was watching it and I was like, she didn't, she couldn't. I had to make it louder. The judge was like, wait, are you telling me? He was giving her a chance to realize that she was, that her soul had been burned and turned into the new smoky eyes of the new press secretary that's, you know, coming to the White House. (laughs) And she just wouldn't do it. Yeah. But it's also pretty unbelievable that it took those, that it took in the course of this week, it took that woman arguing with judges about how their, you know, human basic needs are not being clean and being able to brush your teeth and have water and food. And the photo of the father and his baby who was still in her diapers, you know, face down in the water, having drowned to, to get Congress to act. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about action, Alyssa, because yeah. it's really easy to hear about this and, you know, the, the amount of cruelty that it takes for people to treat other human beings this way, much less children. Um, it, it makes you feel a little bit helpless sometimes, but mm-hmm. there are, but there are things to do to help. Uh, first of all, our favorite thing to say is call your representative, Congress. call Congress, call your mayor, call your local reps, tell them you want ICE raids to be called off. Tell them you want detention centers to be improved. Use your telephone, millennials. It sucks, but this is for a good cause. I swear to God, if you pick up your phone you'll feel good about making the call. Um, You can also report and document raids and arrests. You can donate to humanitarian efforts like United We Dream, the ACLU. Um, My nephew, Joao, who is turning three today, um, got a donation made in his honor to Races Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous. I I also got him like, toys and stuff like so he would because that's a that's a mean present to give a three-year-old if that's all you give a three-year-old but you know you can donate to racist texas there are organizations that provide legal aid um you can also assist paying paying bail for immigrants who've been separated I from really their families like this one it can cost anywhere from fifteen hundred to eighty thousand five hundred dollars but you can donate to a bail fund in your city through the national bail fund network and we'll put this in the show notes Alyssa, what are you going to do 
Well, I'm very interested in the National Bail Fund Network, and I'm also going to, I mean, I live in New York City, and, you know, Bill de Blasio, uh, who takes the stage tonight at the debate. So um, weird. He's it's been, so weird. He's Why? Been, it's so weird. He's been, but he has been outspoken about protecting you know, immigrants in New York. And so I really do think the most important thing people, not most important, one of a very, a big basket of important things people can do is call on their mayors to speak out and say that they're not going to be a part of this sham, you know, like the mayor of Chicago did and some other cities saying that they are going to protect their population. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's something that on a very local level is very impactful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's pretty shitty out there, but there's, stuff that we can do. And I think the fact that this is a widely known story and it's generated mass outrage as it well should have is a sign that we are not a country full of total fucking monsters. Um, but we have enough fucking monsters in the White House to sort of run the country. So uh, win, lose, I guess. <laughs> sort Keep of. on living, America. Keep on living. Okay, Alyssa, it was great to talk to you. We'll talk again next week. Bye. Bye. Stick around. There's more hysteria after the break. Welcome back to Personal Political, the part of the show where we dive deep into a topic that's been on all of our minds. Let me introduce our panel this week. First off, we have writer, comedian, and I don't know what else to say, and wedding planner. Yeah. Megan oh, Gailey. Wow. I think my <laughs> wedding planner would take offense to that. <laughs> you planned to have a wedding planner. Yeah. That's a plan. I, thank you. Oh. I, uh, I, we went to Palm Springs last week and I got to try cake. And that's oh, been the it? most fun. <laughs> We're getting a funfetti cake, and I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> oh, my God. Like a high end. Not even like a your grandma's making it funfetti. <laughs> like a woman in a store is making it. Is it pronounced funfetti? Um, <laughs> I think she did say like confetti. Like she uh -huh. did have a different name for what's on the box in the grocery store, but we were like, it's funfetti. Oh my God. That sounds so, that sounds so good. I'm, I'm excited. I want cake now. Next up, we have writer, activist, actress, Grace Para. Grace. Oh, I also want some funfetti cake. <laughs> sorry. No, it's great. I, it's I don't. It's so rude to talk about cake and not bring cake. I'm I think sorry. it is, Megan. That's sorry. okay. Next time. Hi guys. What the fuck is up? <laughs> <laughs> That's aggressive. It's aggressive. <laughs> I'm feeling aggressive this morning. Oh, it's uh, it's an aggressive kind of morning. It kind of is, man. There's so much going on. Yeah, there's two debates coming up. Two debates. But we don't have a chance. To, we're, people are going to listen to this after the first debate. That's right. And uh, Mueller's testifying. 17. He's, yeah. he's, yeah. testi he's testifying on a day that I am going to be joining the hosts of Pod Save America on stage in Denver, Colorado. So oh, that's going to be a fun day for everybody. Yes. Going to be a long day. Finally, I am delighted to welcome to Hysteria for the first time crooked media contributor and national bestselling author Julissa Arce. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> In the house. Yes. How are you? I'm great. We were just talking about how the first time I met you, you had just gotten engaged, and now you're and now you're like an expert on having weddings. Yeah, I really am. I I had two weddings. <laughs> two. Um, yeah, one of them was to make up for the fact that I didn't have a quinceanera, oh, okay. <laughs> and the second one was just you know. The wedding. The wedding. You for know, me, I, I too, didn't have but... a quinceanera either. And wow. I always feel like I'm making up for it. Yeah. Like every I've birthday had four party. Four quinceanera themed birthdays. Every I birthday. I, I guess if I have a wedding, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to just toss an extra one in there. Yeah, you're gonna have to have some <laughs> I had like pink everything in my first wedding. Full like pink on flowers dress? and wow. No, I mean my dress was white because yeah. you know Tradition. Tradition. Sure. 
Mariachis? I wanted it. Mariachis, banda, yeah. tacos, you know, the whole thing. I followed everything. along on Instagram and I was impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I, am, I am very impressive. So my weddings <laughs> had to match. My weddings had to match. Um, well, uh, I guess since the last time we were all in the studio, uh, a little bit has happened in my life. Yes. Yes. Uh, I feel like, I feel like, you know, that in the last episode of Game of Thrones, when Daenerys gets killed by Jon Snow, and then the next scene is, it's like, well, oh, a lot's happened in these last three weeks. And like, they don't show what happened right mm-hmm. after she died. And it's like, oh my God, where is that episode? Oh my God. That I'm is- glad that I'm not the only one that's still obsessed with the ending of Game of Thrones. And <laughs> it was that so weeks bad. later, we're still talking about it. It was so bad. But I feel like that that's me. In it's like I'm coming back and I'm like, well, lots of stuff mm-hmm. happened yeah. to me. I'm, uh, I got engaged when I was in Italy. Woo-hoo. Yay. Yay. Josh, 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 Josh. <laughs> can we say his name? Yeah. Okay. We can I say, say his name. name. Oh, yeah, that's on, right. Yeah, I do. I I mean, I feel like some listeners even have gone so far as to follow him on Instagram, which wow. he appreciates. He, he appreciates that. So, um, but yeah, we got engaged in Italy. It was a complete surprise. I had no idea it was coming. My response to it was, "What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> are you joking right now? Are you joking?" And then I realized that he was serious because what kind of an asshole would joke around about proposing? I know, I know a couple. Yeah, I've seen my brother <laughs> joked around about. Uh, proposing in front of our entire family. What? That and is... then just segued it into asking about the Pacers free agency. <gasps> Ooh. This was years ago when they're married and their second child's on the way. Oh, but okay. He was just wow. fucking around. Wow. Love is powerful. You can <laughs> yeah. overcome that. Love is a, a powerful thing. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was like it was great. It was perfect and I'm super happy and I'm going to slowly go insane over the next few months planning my wedding. I'm going to be consulting the two other people here who are either in the process of planning a wedding or have had two fucking successful weddings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll give you all my notes. I, I will. Com- I'm going to walk over to your house. We live so close to each other. Yeah. I'm going to walk over to your house and I'm going to bang on your window in the middle of the night and be like, I need help. Yeah. Well, I will give you one tip now, if I may. Okay. You've got to go to the district flower, the flower district in downtown LA. Okay. And the flowers will be like 10 times cheaper than anywhere else. And you just take them what you want. You show them a picture and then they make them for you at like one tenth of the price. Wow. I'll take you to my guy. Okay. Oh my gosh. This or is such, such a sell. You can solid. go to Palm Springs and find a very, very chic older gay man and pay 10 times what you <laughs> thought you were going to, but have him hold your hand and say, you are amazing. <laughs> oh no. The guy in downtown LA. He will tell you, estás bien bonita. Oh, damn it. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> when you texted the group thread, like the picture of the ring, I responded back, hysteria just got twice as annoying because <laughs> we've now got two people planning weddings. I keep being like, I'm just a really bad person to have brunch with right now. <laughs> yeah, like, I, it's all about me. I mean, I hope I don't go slowly insane, but we'll see. Yeah, you'll I've, be fine. I've seen really powerful women taken down. By what are you weddings. most concerned about? Um... With the planning, like the actual wedding itself. I think that a lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of my friends who've had weddings, always say that it costs way more than you think it's going to cost. Yeah. And I think that there's there's going to be tension between the sort of party that we want to throw for our friends and family and the sort of party that is not crazy to throw because Mm. it's like we want to do other stuff we want to buy a house you know we want to you know go on vacation and and uh, it's I think the sticker shock is going to be the hardest aspect of it also 
Yeah. Also, like picking a date that satisfies everybody. And we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll get into it, I guess, over the next <laughs> who's, several who's, months. Who pays for these things? Like, I have three older brothers. They've all gotten married, and I feel like it's the wife's response. Like, the wife's parents pay for things. I'm very happy to break or, down the finances. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I just, so I uh, you know, it. we had to have like a very honest uh, conversation. And my parent, I was like, listen, this is what I told the planner I wanted to spend. And my dad goes, no, I was planning to spend half of that. And I go, okay, why don't you meet me in the middle Mm -hmm. of what I wanted to spend and what you wanted to spend, which is a negotiating tactic I learned from him. (laughs) So it kind of bit him in the ass. And then, so my parents are paying for a big chunk. And then CJ and I are covering the rest, which I think is like a pretty modern way to do it. Right. Yeah. I hope. I think we're just paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. Fernando and I pretty much pay for it. I mean, his parents helped a lot. Yeah. And they took off a lot of things off our hands. Uh Uh-huh. And they paid paid with like non-monetary No, I mean with both. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the wedding in Mexico, we had people who helped, but the majority, I would say like 80% of the wedding, Fernando and I paid for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. We could probably have a whole show on this and we will. Yay! It is, it is in, Bring me back. I, 100%. <laughs> it is in the doc. We have a, a master doc of topics that we're going to talk about, which brings me to today's topic, which Julissa selected. And that topic is trust. So because you're the guest, I'm going to start with you. When you think about the concept of trust, what comes to mind? You know, I think that I think that trust is something that's built over time. Uh, when people show you who they are, who they are, you should believe them. Uh, but I also think that trust is a form of self-love, something that you do because otherwise it would drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. And if you're like live your life never trusting anyone, then that's only hurting you. Mm-hmm. So I also view trust as something that is about self-love. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, but how do you how do you differentiate between some somebody who is worth your trust and somebody who is going to exploit your trust, which I think is the, the million dollar question? Yeah. Well, listen, I am a formerly undocumented woman of color and uh, trust was not something that was in my DNA. It's something that I had to work on and go to therapy for and like learn to trust because I do think that that line is a really fine line of mm-hmm. when do you trust someone and when do you protect yourself uh, from something that some, something that someone might do to you, right? But I really think it's sort of like trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there is any right formula for how to tell if you can trust someone or not trust someone. Unfortunately, I think it's something that you just kind of have to do by trial and error. Mm-hmm. And you learn, you know, you learn to like pick up signals, you learn... Um, how to let things go that otherwise might lead you to like not trust someone that you should trust because mm-hmm. you're just like on high alert all the time, mm-hmm. you know? So it is a fine line mm-hmm. and it's a, it is a million dollar question that I don't have the answer for. <laughs> but we were going to solve it. That's we're what we always it. do on this show is we solve things. Grace, how important to you is, is trust in building relationships? You know, I was thinking about what my relationship was to trust when, when we uh, started talking about this topic uh, via email. And I remember that 
up until just like a couple years ago, I used to say this phrase all the time in like a really brash kind of masculine way, which is, if a person doesn't drink, I don't trust them. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and that's been ingrained in my brain for so long. Uh, and I think it comes from being, um, you know, as a comedy writer, like it, it's a very hyper masculine industry. I grew up with uh, dad and brothers and a mom who like drank a lot. It's, it's, bi- it's a big part of my culture. And I really used to feel that alcohol was a way to get to know somebody. And mm-hmm. if you can get to know somebody with people's guards down, that's the way that you can learn to trust somebody. Now, mm-hmm. as time has gone on, and especially in the last, like, you know, nine months, two years since I based, <laughs> since I stopped drinking, um, that's completely shifted. Mm-hmm. And that's been the biggest shift in my relationship with trust that it used to be where, like, if I could not get blackout with somebody, I would always be a little bit hesitant. And now it's more like, if I can get, if you are getting blackout, maybe I shouldn't trust you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and, and I, I, I don't know, I, I do think it's a hyper-masculine reaction to trust. Like, Mm-hmm. It comes from an old school madman style, like yeah, like we need to make asses of ourselves together, so we yes. have like mm. counter compromise yeah. on each other. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that sort of reminded me of kind of what brings college friends together, mm-hmm. what brings people together in different organizations, like in Greeks. There's like a mutual, like mutual humiliation leads to absolutely. I, Megan, did you find that that? happened for you as a person living in Greek life? Uh, tell um, me about your greatest humiliation. I mean, I, well, I, in a, like a in a sweeter way to paint it, I do think there is something to be said. No, I'm still a drinker, obviously, as just like people's walls are down. Yeah, totally. And so you do kind of want to be let in. And that doesn't always have to be drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it can just be, I think sometimes when women or just you're like on a road trip with one other person and you're kind of locked in a place together, that can be a good way to have walls come down. But there are people in my life who I've never seen them be vulnerable. And I do have a, probably a harder time trusting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not specific to drinking. But I mean, I have sorority sisters that I blacked out in front of that I definitely don't trust. So <laughs> it's not, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, the sorority thing is interesting. Cause another element of this that I was thinking is how my relationship with trust is different uh, with men from women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went, I, I didn't have a sorority experience, but I did go to an all girl Catholic school growing up. And basically and I, a sorority. Basically a sorority, but like elongated period of time. And I feel like uh, this is a blanket statement. Let's unpack this. This is my, I might be totally wrong here, but I think I might actually have more of a problem trusting women than I do men. And I don't, I, and that's strange because I, I, I do, I feel so, you know, very fiercely feminist and, and delighted with my female friendships and family members. But I, I don't know, maybe it's just past experience having hmm. been in the kind of hornet's nest of being around women for so long that I'm a little more skeptical or that I understand more nuances Hmm. thereby, you know. I do think there are stereotypes to be like, don't trust other women because like they may backstab you or they may actually be Mm -hmm. trying to like get at a man. But then, you know, the same way of thinking goes for like, don't trust men because they're trying to sleep with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of it is like, well, that's a huge giant thing. But I do think as women, we're 
sometimes taught to not trust other women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, I grew up with three older brothers. I grew up with like men that I did trust. I grew up understanding that that uh, men are not to be feared in every situation. So um, I, mean, I grew up I grew up like not trusting just people in general. Yeah. Right? Because I think that one of the one of the aspects of trust, sometimes people view that if I can tell you my deepest, darkest secrets, that means I trust you. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you if I tell you everything about me and you don't reciprocate that back, then I don't know that I trust you because now you know all these things about me and I don't know anything right. about Information you. Right. Information is a sort of form of right. currency. Black right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, for me, like growing up undocumented, it was really hard to tell my secrets to people, right? Like I couldn't tell my closest friends, like my best friends in the whole wide world and they didn't, know. didn't know that I was undocumented, wow. right? Like people I dated, mm-hmm. I would never tell them that I was undocumented. And so, uh, and so I do think that there was this aspect of, I think maybe some of my friends thinking that I didn't trust them because I wasn't mm-hmm. divulging the same kind of information that they were telling me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and it wasn't because I didn't trust them. It's just, you know, I grew up with my mom always telling me, no le digas a nadie, and like, don't tell anyone, <laughs> yeah. right? And and so it took a lot to for me to explain to my friends or try to cl- form closer relationships with people without telling them all these very personal things about me. When was the first time that you told someone that you were dating? Did you wait until after you had gotten the process of becoming a citizen started? Or did you do it when you were still undocumented? Well... I'll tell you two stories, quick stories. <laughs> One, um, I, you know, again, like my mom was always like, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. So that was, oh, and I, I, I learned, I was trained to lie to a boyfriend before I ever even had a boyfriend, mm-hmm. wow. right? Like you do not tell this thing to anyone. Um, and I remember like in high school, I was at this high school party with this guy I was dating and the cop showed up and I just like, took off running into the backyard, like jumped the fence. He's like chasing after me, like, why are you so freaked out? You know, like the worst that can happen is we get a ticket. Mm-hmm. And and to me, it was like, no, like if I get caught, I can get deported. Yeah. Right. But I couldn't tell him that. Mm-hmm. So then he just thought I was overreacting. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, like, you know, men always think, women, not always, a lot of men think women overreact. And so I just let him think I'm overreacting. Right. Mm-hmm. Then in college, I... I was like, maybe my mom is wrong. You know, I've been dating this guy for like two years and like he just drove me 30 minutes to go get tacos. And uh, and he's just he, he has this cute, sad eyes. Like, how could I not <laughs> trust him? You know, like I, I surely can trust this person. So I told him I don't have papers. It's like what came out of my mouth. And then we talked for a long time and he held my hand. He was very sweet. And he says, you know, I, you're not alone anymore. And it was such a big sense of relief. Like, oh, finally I trust someone and I don't have to keep the secret in. And then, um, a couple of years later we moved to New York and, uh, I find out he's cheating on me. What? Oh yeah. my God. So, you know, like any woman might react like, I was like, I'm going to show him the true meaning of a woman scorned. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like so angry. Um, and I called him and I, I had found the woman's phone number on a suitcase in his apartment. <gasps> Dumbass. And <laughs> uh, and so I called him and I'm like, I'm going to call her. Who is she? And then he said the one thing I could never imagine anyone saying. He said, if you call her, I will call INS. <gasps> oh, my God. Which was, INS was like the equivalent of ICE now. Oh, right? my, oh my God, God. Yeah. My God. That's so fucking awful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, 
I'm still, like, I tell this story and my heart is, like, starting to race again, yeah, you know, telling yeah. it all these years later. And uh, and you better believe that I did not tell anyone else about being undocumented for, like, the longest time because my mom's voice was in my head being like, I told you not to tell anyone. And, you know, I could just re- hear my mom's voice in my head. And so, of course, it, like, fucked me up for a long-ass time, yeah. you know, and it's taken a long time to... I, I I was I was married before, and that's actually how I became a U.S. citizen, which because my ex-husband is a U.S. citizen. So obviously, I opened up again and trusted again, and and my trust was met with the right. Uh, it was you know it, it was it was cared for, uh-huh. um, and now I'm married to a wonderful wonderful man who I trust and I love, and I you know he knows everything about me. Uh, but it took time to recover from that, and I think when you go through that, it takes time to recover and trust people again and let people into your life again. And this is probably cliche, but like when you're when your trust is broken by someone you love, it's even more devastating mm-hmm. to like have someone that was your partner use something against you when they actually did something wrong and right. you had not done anything right. wrong. It was like a double whammy, right? Because once like you betrayed my trust of just like my love trust for you and you're like cheating on me. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, you're willing to like destroy my life. Can we destroy his? Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? No, we'll talk. About I'm that. sure karma has gotten him in some way. Yeah, I, like oh, I don't think so. Damn I don't think really? so. I think he's. I think he's rich, Thriving. married, and with kids. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Fine. Nobody ever sad is rich, married, and has kids. <laughs> Not that that's the subject of all great works of American literature. I'm rich. I'm married. I have kids, and I'm sad. He's a John Cheever short short story. Writer. He is. He is. Well, let's let's. Let's put it out into the universe that he is sad. Just human. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't wish him bad. Well, I really very, don't. Very you know, classy I, of you because well, I we do. We do. <laughs> I think that's part of self love is to like forgive and move on, and you know, you, you can't. It, it's too much to carry with you your whole life. Yeah, gotta let Jesus it go. Jesus Christ, though, like overcoming that is. That's Herculean. It really is. It really is. What's, you want like four more weddings? We'll throw. <laughs> we'll throw. We'll <laughs> plan the whole want. thing. They'll just be quinceañeras. quinceañeras. (laughs) Um, Grace, so you meet people that you trust. You meet people that you don't trust. Yeah. Um, But sometimes you have to have people that you don't trust in your life. Yeah. Because you work for them or you work with them. Ahem, ladies. They're just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Because you work for them, you work with them. You just, you can't alienate them, but you don't trust them. So Mm -hmm. how do you deal with a person that you don't trust? So people that I don't trust who I have to interact with exclusively on social media, thankfully, you can block people, you can mute them without them knowing. This is something that I, I feel like there's a lot of listeners out there who experience where it's like, I don't trust this person. I have to see them every day or I'm working on this project with them and I have to follow them so that they, you know, there's this like appearance that you put on. Thankfully, those methods exist because there was a time where that wasn't really a yeah, thing. Yeah, you couldn't mute people. You couldn't really mute people. And so mm-hmm. these people that you really just did not did not believe in, who you you would not put an ounce of faith in, were just in your face constantly. Um, so that, that's one method, I think. Um, but as far as real life goes, I mean, a lot of it is having a trusted confidant who you can talk to about these feelings of distrust and then move on. Because the problem is if you bottle things in, and Julissa, you spoke to this in, in I think a really eloquent way, if, if you bottle things up, it can it can really fuck you up. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some method of expressing why it is that you feel a lack of trust to somebody. But the difficult thing is restraining yourself from letting that get out in a way that's unproductive to that person. Um, so, you know, I, I find that like, and, and this is like, we've had some conversations about gossip in the past and how sometimes it's like, oh, gossip feels so terrible. But sometimes it 
it's cathartic. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to there's a thin line between what what's defined as gossip and what's something that 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 is a method of catharsis to allow you to effective tools to effectively handle a lack of trust in one's life. Uh, and I find that just like shitting on people to <laughs> Niall is the way that I that I do. It. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a it's so awkward, though, if you have somebody in your life that you just like don't I can't hide my feelings toward people like mm. and sometimes when I'm around people in public I, I can keep up a facade of like I'm you know I'm warm I'm open I'm happy but when I run out of energy because I don't think I'm naturally an extrovert, extrovert at all I think I'm naturally introverted I can turn it on but it just takes a lot out of me mm-hmm. and when I'm in when I'm at a party I'm in public eventually I just run out of energy and I just can't pretend anymore and so that has led me into some awkward situations where it's like <laughs> if I just don't trust somebody I'll be at a social event with them and I'll just be like just not even resting bitch face, like active, <laughs> active bitch face, like, you know, one word answers, not wanting to engage with them at all. And yeah. I, I wish I had a more effective way of dealing with the fact because thing the thing is people knowing that you don't trust them doesn't really accomplish anything. Right. It, it's just a, it makes you feel like a moment of victory, like, uh, you know, like you're a character on a TV show. And that's like, a, I don't trust you. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's an ad break. But it's like <laughs> it, but it's not really it's not really productive. So I, I kind of struggle with being able to balance the fact that I definitely don't trust many people, but yeah. I also have a very difficult time hiding the fact that I don't trust many people. Well, I think my distrust of people is sort of camouflaged in other way because I'm never like in a group and I'm like, I don't trust her. You know, it comes out as like, I really wish you'd shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> it, it's never, and, and I have this conversation, you know, with, friends or with CJ and when you're venting about somebody it like so rarely like you get to the core of it mm-hmm. like I think the symptoms are much easier to recognize than like oh actually this relationship is fundamentally broken because I don't have trust for them mm-hmm. because I'm an extremely trusting person um, that's just I, I was like raised to trust everybody probably to a fault and it gives me really, really high expectations. And so when those expectations aren't meant, I don't think I have a good job. I don't do a good job of recognizing that it's like broken trust. Mm-hmm. I sort of blame it on other things. Yeah. But I do think there's a difference between not liking someone and not trusting someone. Mm-hmm. You know, you can dislike mm-hmm. someone and still trust them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there are people that you can like, you know, think they're fun and like to socialize with, but they aren't like people in your inner circle that you trust. So I do mm-hmm. think that there's a difference yeah. between I don't like you and I don't trust you. There's yeah. people I like that I don't trust, but I don't think there's people I dislike that and I trust. trust. There yeah. are plenty of people that I don't like that I trust. Like, there's tons of people that I'm like, I would not want to hang out with you, you know, on a Saturday night. <laughs> oh, but you night. seem like honorable. But you're, but I, you okay. know, but you're, yeah, exactly. You're, you're honorable. I trust your word. You know, I trust yeah. that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Someone came to mind. I found one. Like, I'm finding you know more what? and more that those are the only kind of people that I want to hang out with, though. Like Mitt my, Romney? My, uh, <laughs> I would totally, I would totally have some non-alcoholic drinks with Mitt Romney. <laughs> I, 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 fun funny wedding cake <laughs> with Mitt Romney. And an O'Doul's. I, I think it's too fun for, for Mitt Romney. Fun funny cake is not a style. It's too crazy. <laughs> uh, well, Megan, what you're saying about being raised to trust people brings up something really interesting. I was thinking about what you said in, con- in the context of what Julissa said, which is that if you're somebody who is marginalized, yeah. you live your entire life 
and your default is I can't trust these people. And the more marginalized you are, the less you can, you, the less room you have mm-hmm. to like trust institutions or like the police or teachers or people that you're supposed to view as a, an authority figure. And I think mm-hmm. when you are a white woman or you were raised in a, you know, in a stable community and you were always the people that that this that that society exists to protect mm-hmm. we have totally different attitudes about mm-hmm. what happens it, what news stories and and what we believe and what we don't believe in i was thinking about this in the context of stories like what we're seeing at the border right now where we have these stories of children being mistreated on mass and if you talk to anybody who has ever gone through the immigration system they're like oh yeah of course yeah mm-hmm. i totally believe that and i think the further away you get from those marginalized people the less credence they give those accusations. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm? Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the yeah. more, the closer you are well, to a fucking rich white guy, mm-hmm. the less like you, likely you are to believe that the system is victimizing people. Yeah. Well, you had the, you know, you had the, um, you had this group of lawyers recently that went to the border and like saw these children like not being bathed, lice infestations, uh, influenza outbreaks, just like the most horrible conditions. And then you have uh, the 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 former head of I saying, I don't buy that. Literally, I don't buy that. When there are people who are documenting this, there's like Mm -hmm. evidence for this, that this is happening. Um, And you're right, you know, growing up, uh, I didn't really trust the systems outside of my community, right? Mm -hmm. Like I trusted my community, I trusted my family. And I think because we don't trust the system, we are it's a, it's actually a beautiful thing that happens that you kind of create systems within your community to make things work, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, the systems outside, you know, when you have eyes showing up to people's doors, wearing vests that say police, you know, they don't say ICE, they say police. So it leads people to believe it that it's just the, the cops, mm-hmm. right? right? Uh, and then, you know, I was just watching, um, finally watched When They See Us. And, uh, and it took me a while to watch it because I knew that I was going to be heartbroken over it. But like watching this, uh, and for those of you that don't know, like when they see us is this um, five part series on Netflix that um, tells the story of the Central Park Five, the five Latino and black uh, kids who were uh, wrongly accused and convicted and imprisoned imprisoned for raping um, a white jogger, white woman jogger in Central Park. And you just watch this and you're like, how can we trust the system when, you know, these young people were coerced into admitting a crime that they didn't commit, mm-hmm. right? And you watch all these things. And yeah, it is really fucking hard to be a person of color in this country right now and trust the institutions around us. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and there are instances that come up all the time, like Chicago, um, there, there was like a secret black site where the police were actually torturing convictions out yeah. of people. And mm-hmm. there are there are places all over the country where the you know people who are supposed to be protecting the public interest are actually only serving the interests of the privilege at the expense of the marginalized. And it's really hard, to, I think, to trust. I think that as a, as a white woman... Uh, my adulthood has been a series of realizing that I should not be trusting the institutions that actually mm. benefit us, that benefit us, yeah. which is a which is a kind of tug of war that I think as a person that's trying to be an empathetic citizen mm-hmm. that you, you have to like overcome it in your brain. Like the white women who voted for Trump are trusting the system because the system is supposed to protect them and it does protect them. But if we're going to be conscientious people, we have to like you know, disconnect from that. But then you see someone like uh, Dr. Ford, who is 
truly like a beacon of white women. And then you're like, oh, they don't even trust her. Yeah. Or the 22 mm-hmm. women who have accused Donald Trump of sexual exactly. misconduct. Um, Grace, you look like you wanted to say something. Oh, well, I was just going to say that I, I think I'm, I'm thinking back to um, conversations that I had early on with my parents about a lack of trust in systems. And I, these conversations constantly led back to either my mom or my dad saying like, well, at the end of the day, you just got to trust in God. And religion mm-hmm. tends to be this kind of fallback when institutions are failing us for certain communities, of mm-hmm. course. And I don't know if you guys have any experience with that, too, where it's like, well, of course you can't trust the systems, but you know who you can trust? God, he's always there. Jesus, that guy, Holy Spirit, they're around, sure. Yeah. Burning and, tongue. Yeah. yeah. Just, it's, it's floating and radiating. That's okay. Yeah. I yeah. trust that. Yeah. 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 And and I mean, I, I, I don't, again, like I'm I'm so, so interested in, in religion and, and not to besmirch the religious by any means, but I wonder if uh, the religious feel more of uh, a sense of calm about a lack of trust and institutions because there's always that extra layer of trust. They can rely on something that's more imperceptible than, you know, those of us who who do have the more like tangible institutions. I think that's the only positive of religion. I I feel like peace of mind. Yeah. Like being able to trust something bigger is it almost feels like it's a human need. Like we need like we need food, water, shelter, you know, all those things. And we also have emotional needs and being able to trust Mm -hmm. is an emotional need. And I think, Grace, you might be onto something that when the system completely fails you, your need can be fulfilled by trusting right. in in a God or in a faith. Faith, I think, is, yeah, that's the I mean, that's what got me through when, you know, really? I was undocumented. Like, I couldn't tell anyone, but, like, I could, you know, sit and pray and, 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 and my, if you, I mean, I have entire journals that are basically just like letters to God. Really? You know? you yeah. Still have, you still have them? Yeah, I still oh, have them. You should them. publish those. Um, that's really interesting. Have you read a couple of my books that I yeah. have? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a book that's just like letters to God from Jesus. Yeah, I know. I, I should. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, what, what you know, gets a lot of people through. Um, yeah. But I do also think that, you know, some people can take it like really far and just be like, you know, I, I, I texted um, a, a few family members and friends like, when when Trump announced the ICE rates, that didn't end up happening, right? But imagine just like having to, to text people. And I texted my friends and some family members being like, there's some ICE play, there's some ICE rates planned this weekend. Be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, just like don't go out, just like stay home, go to a friend's house, like just be careful, right? And one of the responses came back like, um, don't worry, God God has us. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> God does have you, but what if God having you is me telling you to be careful? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what if that's God's way of like protecting you is like somebody telling you to do something tangible? And so I wish that, you know, um, I respect people's faith and and probably some people have like more faith than I do, which is why they can like kind of make those kinds of blanket statements. But for me, it's always like, yes, God helps us, but like also we have to help ourselves, right? Oh, God gives us ways to like you need medicine. Tangible. You can't, you know, like prayer, the power right. of prayer. Some people believe in, some people do not. But this idea of like, we can't, well, we can't treat them because that's, God will take care of it. Right. Like, right. Well, no, but God invented medicine, if that's what you believe. Right. Like, take the damn medicine. Vaccines yeah. exist for a reason. Believing that prayer solves everything is like standing in front of a door that says push and being like, I want to push this door open and then not pushing the door open. <laughs> right. Like you have to actually do something too, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to, to segue really quickly into... Um, 
um, another aspect of our lives that demands our trust and betrays it constantly, and that's technology. And Julissa, you brought up technology's role in being able to spread the word about like ice raids and being able to reach out to members of your community and and do it really efficiently and quickly. But in other ways, technology has betrayed our trust Mm -hmm. big time. Mm -hmm. Um, In some countries, Facebook, for example, was used to stir up violence that was targeting specific ethnicities. And you can't trust what you see on Instagram because everything is fucking Facetuned. So, um, Megan, do you find technology trustworthy? And if not, how uh, how do you circumvent its untrustworthiness? I mean, I don't face tune. I don't even know how to do it. Um, I actually like to be like, listen, I'm going to throw in an ugly picture of me every now and then just so people know I'm being honest. <laughs> just to be like, I see that varicose vein girl. Okay, <laughs> Someone did not touch this up. I mean, I think you just have to. And it's so interesting because I'll have conversations with like friends who still live back in the Midwest and they'll send screenshots of people like, oh my God, you see this? And it's like, yeah, but that's a lie. And so some of that, I'm like, have I become so cynical Mm -hmm. and that I just don't believe, but like, I just try and use it sort of as like a mental exercise of like, what is real, what is not and figure it out that way. But I mean, I do find it so fascinating and horrifying that we're constantly putting our trust into Airbnb hosts and Mm. Lyft drivers Mm -hmm. and like these people that we do not know at all. But because we have an app on our phone that's connected us, we're like, sure, I'll live in your house. Like, (laughs) it's insane. Mm To the point where I feel myself being like, I want to be in a hotel. Like, I know I know what happens at a hotel and you check in and I know that they have to wash the towels. And so I felt myself sort of like reverting away from these things because I opened up too much. And like if you had told our grandparents, like, yeah, you're just going to live in people's houses that you found on the Internet. They'd be like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, that's so scary. You no, know? I, w- I was an Airbnb host, so I got to... You know, I gotta, I gotta defend the Airbnb. <laughs> Have you met all because, the other hosts? <laughs> yeah, you're like the best one out of all of the Airbnb hosts. What well, yeah. was it like on in the New other York. side when you had to trust people? I mean, in you, your yeah, home. exactly. You know, there is so there has to be some sort of trust because yeah, yeah I did have to trust people yeah. that, and I, I did Airbnb when I lived in New York and had a two bedroom apartment, and so I was still in the apartment. Oh God, when these people were Whoa. there, right? What? Yeah, and so you do have. I mean, oh I, you know, gosh. I read the reviews and like I asked them questions and I stalked them on Instagram and Facebook and like. Like before I accepted anyone into like into my Oof. my place. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever I did have guests, I would have my boyfriend stay over mm-hmm. so that at least I felt like I had another person there in case something went bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of technology, I, I do I do think that we are paying a very high price for the technology that we have. And that's our privacy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. we are constantly paying for new technology with our privacy. And I do think that at times that is a very high price to pay yeah. to be connected to the world around us, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I am definitely that person that has a little black tape on <laughs> my too. computer, yeah. you know, oh, make know. sure that, like... That's so easy to hack a webcam, Yeah, guys. I know. Oh, I need it. I don't have it, but yeah. I'm like, I feel like I look good. <laughs> <laughs> Megan would be like, you oh, my stars. Oh, I'm sending nudes with my face in them. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I gotta get on that. Yeah, you know, so, I, I mean, know. I definitely have that. Like, I, yeah. I'm 
I'm the person that like changes my passwords a few times a year. You know, you got to take precautions mm-hmm. uh, because because it is really easy for technology to be used against us. Right. Um, when the reality is, you know, we should be the ones controlling technology. It should be working for us, mm-hmm. not against us. And so but there are precautions you have to take. Right. Because we can't fully trust them. Right. Grace, do you have like an Amazon Echo or a, a dot or something that's supposed to like a, a digital assistant? <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I have oh, a, you Alexa. Is that dumb? Is that so bad? Am do you I remember? Fine? I have one in every room in our house. Oh my really? God. Really? But if you get no. murdered, they might be able to solve the crime. Oh, that's good. So that's fun. That, that would make a good side. true crime. It'd make that it would easy be a true. really good. It's happening. That would it's be happening. a really good show. Just Actually, Detective yeah. Alexa. Well, and it's <laughs> coming into the courts now. Like I, I, this was a few months ago, so I, I didn't follow up. I don't know what they decided, but they were trying to like see if it was admissible, like what Alexa had tracked, because there had been like a, a hose oh. used for like twenty gallons, and the guy was like, "Oh, I left it on," and it was like, "No, you cleaned up." blood. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but, right. but I don't this know. This is like kind That's of, te- I mean, it is technology. This is this is still in the technology realm, which is like scientific technology and discoveries, but I never realized how much I trusted my birth control until I got off of birth control. And I'm like, damn, like I really put a lot of trust in mm-hmm. anyone yeah. listening, Fernando's family, this does not mean we're having babies. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to make that disclosure. <laughs> my IUD expired and so it had to come out because it expired. But, you know, right now I'm like in between. And and I'm like, this is weird. Like, this is the first time in my life, like as an adult, that I haven't had birth control. Do you and feel like a moon goddess? I mean, a little bit, but also I'm like, <laughs> but I'm also, I'm like, I have to just go to sleep with like, you know, sweatpants and a t-shirt <laughs> and a sweater and everything else on because I don't, I don't trust that, you know, we're gonna, that I'm going to know what to do without birth control. Right. But it also showed me how much I did trust it before because I never thought right. about it while I was on it. Not once did I think like, oh, sh- you know, oh shit, like it could fail uh, or something. Right. right. Like right. you just trust it. Yeah. You trust it. You trust it. And then you have very untrustworthy entities trying to get in between other women and access to it Yeah, uh, for very untrustworthy reasons, which is like a whole other. But God uh, told them to do that. Oh, God, God, God says it's them. fine. God, they'll be okay. God told hey, them the way, to do the gag Stop blaming God. Just <laughs> use another excuse, you people who want to take away our rights. <laughs> um, well, I think we're running out of time for the trust conversation. I think we solved it mm, we yes. sol- as we solve everything. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, the hills will die on. And we're back with the part of the show where we take adamant stances on things that don't actually matter that much. It's the hills that we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. My name is Hillary, and the hill I will always die on is women who wear their hair down at the gym. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, if you're doing this, you shouldn't even be at the gym. (laughs) You cannot do a productive workout with your hair in the way. You get sweaty, your hair is touching your shoulders. It's just gross. And it's going to get in the way, and you're not working out hard enough if your hair is down. You're just not. You should just own it when you're at the gym. You're there <laughs> to become strong, and that is beautiful. And what your hair is doing should not matter to you or anyone else. 
Okay. Wow. Uh, I like Hillary. it. I am definitely the bitch that goes to Soul Cycle with my hair down. My <gasps> Soul love Cycle? It. Hell yeah. That's a My hair down, my titties out, riding on the bike, feeling <laughs> sexy as hell. That's wow, your hair down at Soul Cycle. I, That's I mean, it would, I just get so hot. I got it. I, what about guys who have long hair who wear their hair oh, down? That happens all the time at the Gold's Gym in West Hollywood. These guys yeah. just like locks. And I love it. I say own it. I like it. I, I kind of don't like it when like soccer players, international soccer players who have long hair will just put a headband on. It's like <laughs> Alex Morgan would never do that. Okay, <laughs> fucking put your hair back in a ponytail. Be a man. Wear your hair. Wear, <laughs> wear your man bun. Wear a man bun. Be man a, buns if you want to wear it long and you want to play soccer, put it back in a ponytail. Sometimes I forget a scrunchie and I will have to wear my hair down at the Ooh, gym. No. But I'll definitely walk in with it flowing. Oh, sure. <laughs> like Hillary doesn't like. <laughs> Just gotta give the people two looks, you know? You know, I do it down outro look. It's yeah. very different. Uh, how about we just, like, stop judging each other? We're, do whatever the yeah. hell you want. It's your workout. Yep. I do feel like it becomes an arms race, though, because it's like, at the gym, you agree that you're looking less physically attractive, and if somebody's coming in there all glammed out, you're like, okay, bitch. Now... There's a yeah. comparison, yeah. and so I have to look better. But listen, if you want to compare yourself to me, <laughs> I mean, go right ahead. You're gonna get burned. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna up your game. So you're really confident. Confidence goals this morning, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna do my hill first. It is short, but I don't think that you have really. Um, if you think you're tough. You're not really tough until you've made a cat swallow a pill that it doesn't want to swallow. Oh, Eleanor. My cat has been very sick, which I've documented on Instagram. I'm like in a bunch of fights with people about her being sick. Um, but I have to give her medicine every day. She doesn't like it because ha cats hate it when you're trying to save mm -hmm. their life because they don't care. Um, so, yeah, the hand that my engagement ring on is all fucked up because she's just not happy with. Damn. But, but this morning I successfully made her swallow a pill and I've, you know, I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've run a lot. I've done some like pretty epic hikes. And that was a, a huge victory. I think comparable to finishing a marathon <laughs> or hiking in the Himalayas. It felt it felt great. So I, I think that if you think you're tough, you're not really tough until you've made a cat swallow a pill. It doesn't want to swallow. Okay, Megan. Ooh, I look forward to never having to do that. Um, I feel like this is going to be controversial, but I've been seeing people like comment this on photos and then I've heard people say it in person too. I don't like when people say a baby is delicious. Oh yeah, that's kind of weird. That's it's fair. Weird. That's fair. And I understand being like, I want to eat its cheeks. Like we've all seen a chubby cheek and been like, I'd bite it. But like <laughs> to say delicious or like just say like chunky. Like there's so much. Like oh, it's so cute. It's so squishy. Delicious is like just should be reserved. I, I, just for food. I don't even think it should be in the bedroom. Like, if CJ would have referred to me <laughs> oh, as yeah. delicious, I would be horrified. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, just leave it to, like, burrata. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Okay, Grace. Delicious is a great segue into my hill this week, which is that I think that I've uncovered the most undelicious, overrated food in our culture. Okay, go. Baby corn. Get the fuck no, out of here! No one with likes it. that. Get the, though. I hate it's baby corn. And looking. here's the biggest problem Is with baby it: baby corns, are, the yeah. little, the little mm. shits yeah. that come from the actual I don't, I don't brilliant. Think people like it though. I hope not. I, to me, it's a flaccid carrot. 
It's a flat. It's a little flaccid, little <laughs> tasteless like, care, and and it besmirches the good name of the corn, yeah. which has been around for ten thousand years. Thank you, indigenous people in Mexico, who first discovered it, and its currency, and its petroleum, and its clothes, and it's all this shit. And baby corn gets to run around talking like it's a corn, and it's not. Baby, anything else is cute. A baby cat, a baby human, a baby carrot's great. Everyone loves yeah. a baby carrot. Baby corn needs it needs rebranding. Needs to get get out of the corn world. How I don't about like corn? It. How about corn minus? Can they call it corn? Corn minus? minus is fine. What about that scene in Big when he eats it like a corn on the cob? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that can stick. That can stick. That one's good. Oh my gosh! My college roommate. One of my college roommates was. Equally opposed to baby corn. Also a Mexican-American woman. Really? Yeah. Mm. She was just like, fuck baby corn. She was so aggressively anti-baby corn. I need to meet this person. It tastes like shit. And I love corn. It's not good. Besmirching the good name of the corn. It truly does. What a sentence. (laughs) What a sentence. Okay, Julissa, bring us home. Uh, Okay, so my hill to die on is that canceling people on the internet is stupid. Ooh. Ooh. We... Should not be canceling people on the internet unless it's Tommy Lauren because she <laughs> because she has shown a pattern of disrespect and inappropriate behavior. Yes, that is a line from The Office. I've memorized lots of lines from The Office. Uh, but canceling people on the internet is dumb. Like I was once canceled for saying that pizza is better than tacos, which is another hill I will die on. Wow. But then Whoa. you know everybody came out and they're like, "You're canceled, Latinos. We all cancel you." And I'm like, I what? Don't I you. love pizza. And, you know, people need to give some grace to grow because yes. we're all growing. We all make mistakes. We're all just human beings on this earth trying to make the best that we can out of it. And so let's give people some grace and Except stop canceling Tommy. people. Except Tommy. Except Tommy. Yeah. Because Noted again, Megan Gailey fan, Tommy because Lauren. again, <laughs> she has shown a pattern of disrespect and inappropriate behavior. Yeah, she but actually, besides her, she showed up to one of Megan's comedy shows one time at a Mexican Did she really? restaurant. At a Mexican what? Restaurant. Which city? <sighs> Manhattan Beach. <gasps> yeah, she lives down there. Well, does she laugh? I, you know, I go on Fox News sometimes. Don't cancel me for that. Sometimes <laughs> I do it. And uh, she was coming out of the studio when I was coming in. And so I got to hear her like mess up like 20 times. Oh, great. And wow. I was like, you mess up so much. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually, that will provide me some comfort yeah. as I go throughout my and day. And she has bad style, which is always a favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but don't cancel people on the internet. Stop it. It's it's silly. Let's show people grace. Let's be better human beings. Yeah, I think cancel culture can, at its worst, rob people of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a kind of cynical thing to do, I think, mm-hmm. at its worst. Okay, ladies, Megan, Grace, Julissa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you to Alyssa Mastermonica for calling in and breaking down the news. And thank you all for listening. There will be more hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Nadina Malconian and Elijah Cohn, for production support each week. 